Tonight is part 15 in our um, series on Christ's second coming. And we'll be going through 1 Nephi 20 and 21, which corresponds to Isaiah 48 and 49. And in particular, in Isaiah 48 and 49, Isaiah is introducing the Lord's end time servant and talking to us about how we recognize him, what his work will be. And so starting in 1 Nephi, chapter 20, verse 1. Hearken and hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel and are come forth out of the waters of Judah or out of the waters of baptism, who swear by the name of the Lord and make mention of the God of Israel, yet they swear not in truth or in righteousness. So here, Isaiah is speaking specifically to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he is identifying them as a people who have temple worship, but not true temple worship, or have have lost true temple worship, but participate in temple worship as if nothing had been lost. Verse 2, nevertheless, they call themselves of the holy city, but they do not stay themselves upon the God of Israel, who is the Lord of hosts, yea, the Lord of hosts is his name. So the Latter-day Saints, Isaiah is saying, you know, claim to have the fullness of the restored gospel. However, they have rejected the path of ascension whereby they might become Zion. Now, if we cross-reference to 2 Nephi 28, verses 24 through 27, Nephi addresses the same strata of individuals that Isaiah is addressing as he begins Isaiah 48, which is 1 Nephi chapter 20. 2 Nephi 28, 24. Therefore, woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion. Woe be unto him that crieth all is well. Yea, woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men and denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, just so that there can be no misunderstanding about who Nephi is talking about, he, he addresses, you know, woe be unto them who are at ease in Zion. You know, talking specifically about the Latter-day Saints. And then he declares that the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints hearken to the precepts of men, that we deny the power of God, and that we deny the gift of the Holy Ghost. And how exactly do we do that? Well, you know, as we learn in DNC 84, we rejected the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And by rejecting the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, we rejected our God. And so became rejected as a church with our dead, as is specified in DNC 124. And we lost the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, which is the very pathway to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, 
and become Christ's sons and his daughters. Literally to become the people of God. And in verse 27, Yea, woe be unto him that saith we have received, and we need no more. Again, talking about the Latter-day Saints, who would claim that they do not need revelation because they have the words of men to tell them uh, what God has in store for them. However, that these men speak not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, because that's clarified in verse 31 of 2 Nephi 28. Cursed is he that putteth his, his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. So the Lord, not only does he not have any problem with accepting the words of men who speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, uh, he requires it. And Isaiah 48 and 49 is a whole discourse on um, the requirement of the Lord to his people to accept his words, which he will give unto them through his servant, Joseph Smith Jr., in his second ministry. And they, they have gotten themselves into the condition that they're in because they accept as the word of God those words which are spoken and written to them, and not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Verse 2 again, nevertheless, they call themselves of the holy city. Now, the holy city in Isaiah, we have different ascension levels represented by, represented by many different metaphors. Um, but this metaphor, the holy city, is the, the Zion-Jerusalem category or the category of those who have repented and returned and entered into covenant with their God and have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And although the Latter-day Saints, you know, have the doctrine laid before them in the Book of Mormon, um, yet they do not understand the doctrine of Christ, that we receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, not when we're confirmed a member of the church, but by entering into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, which covenant terms we must receive by revelation. And it's only through receiving those covenant terms by revelation and hearkening unto all the words that God will speak to us by the power of his spirit, that we are actually able to ascend to this level, uh, the level of the holy city or Zion, Jerusalem, uh, both in Word and indeed, and not just word only. Verse 3 Behold, I have declared the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth, and I showed them. I did show them suddenly. So God, you know, made his prophecies known not only to the early saints, but to all generations thereafter, because those Prophecies were recorded in the book of Doctrine and Covenants, and we have them before us. Verse 4, and I did it because I knew that thou art obstinate, and that thy neck is an iron sinew, and thy brow brass. So again, we have the the metaphor of of common metal, um, and... uh, 
a transition between common metal and a semi-precious metal of brass. So the Lord is still gathering his people into the LDS church. And they have the opportunity to repent, return, and ascend through the doctrine of Christ, through the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. They may yet become God's sons and daughters, Christ's sons and daughters, his covenant people. However, uh, Isaiah says we are an obstinate people. So even though the scriptures are laid before us, even though we have the path of ascension laid before us, yet uh, we, we willfully do not have eyes to see, ears to hear, or hearts to understand. And we have rejected the very covenant path that would ultimately bring us back into the Lord's presence in the fullness of his glory in this life. And this obstinance um, is specifically named in BNC 84. Uh, first, as an allusion to what the Latter-day Saints would do, the, the Lord says in verses 23 and 24 of DNC 84. Now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. Um, and we can add Joseph Smith's name to Moses's name. So this Moses slash Joseph Smith sought to diligently teach their people, teach them what? The new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, that they might receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that therefore they might qualify for that level of revelation, which would allow them to enter into God's presence in this life. Verse 24, but they hardened their hearts and could not endure his presence. Both the children of Israel and the Latter-day Saints under Joseph. This is how you know we are obstinate, even though the opportunity is extended to us. Therefore, the Lord in his wrath, for his anger was kindled against them, swore that they should not enter into his rest, while rest is the, which rest is the fullness of his glory. And continuing in DNC 84, verse 54. So that there can be no misunderstanding that this account of Moses and the children of Israel had direct allusion to the Latter-day Saints and what would also befall them if they followed the same course. The Lord says in verse 54, and your minds in past times have been darkened because of unbelief and because you have treated lightly the things that you have received, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation. And this condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. And they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant in the Book of Mormon and the former commandments, which I have given unto them, not only to say, but to do according to that which I have written. Now, the new covenant in the Book of Mormon is that we offer up the new sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And then the Lord makes an oath back to us that if we will do this, he will baptize us with fire and with the Holy Ghost. And Christ himself gives the new covenant uh, and both oaths, both our oath and his oath in 3 Nephi 9 verse 20, that they may bring forth fruit meat for their father's kingdom. Now bringing forth fruit meat for a father's kingdom 
is to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thereby become Christ's sons and daughters, and thereby, thereby qualify to be instructed about how we are to enter into the fullness of his glory in this life. And there remaineth a scourge and a judgment to be poured out on the children of Zion. For shall the children of Zion pollute my holy land? Verily I say unto you, nay. So back in 1 Nephi chapter 20. And I did it, or I gave you a clear witness that I'm speaking unto you and that I have called you to be my covenant people through the prophecies and revelations of Joseph Smith in his first ministry. And I did it because I knew that thou art obstinate and thy neck is an iron sinew and thy brow brass. And I have even from the beginning declared to thee before it came to pass, I showed them thee and I showed them for fear lest thou should say mine idol hath done them and my graven image and my molten image hath commanded them. So during Joseph Smith's first ministry, you know, God declared unto them um, the doctrine of Christ, the path of ascension. And Joseph Smith spoke and taught by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost that they might not be able to you know, misunderstand doctrine of Christ, the opportunities that were available to them, or the condemnation that they had come under. Now, not only does 1 Nephi chapter 20 talk about Joseph Smith in his first ministry, it also, and most of it, is actually focused upon Joseph Smith's return and his second ministry. And when Joseph Smith returns, Isaiah outlines that one of the ways that we will know him is that he will declare that the prophecies that he has already uttered and have been recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants have now been fulfilled. And they, he will do this that no one might err in confusing a true prophet from a false one, a prophet who actually prophesies and whose prophecies are recorded in scripture and are being fulfilled versus those uh, who do not speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And the idols, the graven images, the molten images that are being talked about in verse five are the leaders of that people to whom Joseph Smith is sent first as an end-time servant. The difference being Joseph speaks by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost and the others do not. Verse 6, Thou hast seen and heard all this, and will ye not declare them? And what have I showed thee? Or, and that I have showed thee new things from this time, even hidden things, and thou didst not know them. So, you know, the end time servant declared during his first ministry and yet will declare during his second ministry 
new doctrine, things that have never been declared before and recorded in scripture. And our responsibility is as we are awakened, as we receive the doctrine of Christ by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, it is also our responsibility to go forth and to wake up others. And as a cross-reference, let's go to 2 Nephi 28.31. Actually, let's go to DNC 88.81. Behold, I sent you out to testify and warn the people, and it becometh every man who has been warned to warn his neighbor. So the, the Lord isn't just waking you up. For your own sake, he is awakening you because you can be an instrument in the Lord's hand in awaking and preparing others for that which is shortly coming. Those times that precede Christ coming in his glory. And as we're going to read tonight, you know, those times include the separation of the wheat and the tares from among the Lord's people. Literally among the Latter-day Saints, those who have ears to hear and hearts to understand, who are able to recognize the end-time servant in his return, and that he does speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, and that he will declare the doctrine of Christ the path to ascension. Now, back to 1 Nephi chapter 20. Verse 6. Thou hast seen and heard all this, and will ye not declare them? And that I have showed thee new things from this time, even hidden things, and thou didst not know them. They are created now, and not from the beginning. Even before the day when thou heardest them not, they were declared unto thee, lest thou shouldst say, Behold, I knew them. You know, again, you know, the Lord's end time servant declares the prophecies that he has already proclaimed and recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants have now been fulfilled. And he will also bring forth new prophecies and new revelation. And thou heardest not, yea, thou knewest not, yea, from that time thine ear was not opened, for I knew that thou wouldst deal very treacherously and was called a transgressor from the womb. Or in other words, during Joseph Smith's first ministry, uh, during which period of time many of you were also present then, you hardened your hearts and you closed your ears and you would not hear and you would not understand. However, the Lord has not cast you off forever. You're back. And you have another chance and another opportunity. Now, if we if we go back to DNC eighty four, you know, again, verse fifty eight. The whole point of declaring the fullness of the gospel is that we might enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Verse 58 in DNC 84, that they may bring forth fruit meat for their father's kingdom. 
whether it be in during Joseph Smith's first ministry or his second. Now, continuing in 1 Nephi 20, verse 9. Nevertheless, for my name's sake, will I defer mine anger. For my praise will I refrain from thee, that I cut thee not off. So even though we rejected our God as a people, Yet he has not permanently forsaken us, and he has not permanently cut us off. He has given us another chance. And even though the heavens were closed at the death of Joseph Smith, and it was not possible to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, yet his end-time servant would return again. The heavens would again be opened. The doctrine of Christ would again be declared to the Latter-day Saints that they might have a second chance to accept and receive the fullness of the gospel and become God's people the second time, even though they rejected that opportunity the first time. Now, if we cross-reference 2 Nephi 28. Verse 32. Now, again we are told that the Lord will give us a second chance. Woe be unto the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Gentiles, saith the Lord God of hosts. For notwithstanding, I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day. They will deny me. Nevertheless, and this has specific reference to their, their first opportunity under Joseph Smith's first ministry. However, or nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me. For mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. So this repenting and returning has direct reference to the return of God's servant, Joseph Smith. And Isaiah imagery is used here for the Lord's arm being lengthened out is the metaphor or is a metaphor in Isaiah for the Lord's end time servant, Joseph Smith, in his return. And that he would recover his people a second time. Now, if we cross-reference this with 3 Nephi 16, verse 13, so we find out in verse 10 that uh, we would reject the fullness of the gospel uh, under Joseph Smith's first ministry. But then just as in 2 Nephi 28, 32, we have reference to our opportunity to receive it again during his second ministry. But if the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Gentiles, will repent and return unto me, saith the Father, behold, they shall be numbered among my people, O house of Israel. Well, how is it that we go from Gentile to house of Israel? And that occurs at the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, when the Gentile blood is burned out of us, and we become blood Israel. Again, Christ is prophesying to the Nephites that Joseph would return a second time. The heavens would be opened because from the time of the death of Joseph Smith until his return and 
at the opening of a new dispensation. The heavens were closed, and it was not possible for the Gentiles, or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, to uh, have the Gentile blood purged out of them and to become Israel. This was not possible until Joseph's return. And the opening of a new dispensation, for the dispensation that was opened during his first ministry, um, was not the dispensation of the fullness of times. But in DNC 1.10, because we rejected the fullness of the gospel, Elias appeared to Joseph Smith in the Kirtland Temple. And in verse 12 of DNC 110, it says, After this, Elias appeared and committed the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham, saying that in us and our seed, all generations after us should be blessed. We had the opportunity during Joseph Smith's first ministry for the opening of the dispensation of the fullness of times. But because we rejected the fullness of the gospel, um, this is not the dispensation that was opened, but rather the dispensation of the gospel of Abraham. Now that Joseph Smith has returned and again been ordained and sealed to the apostolic order of the priesthood, that opened a new dispensation, even the dispensation of the fullness of times. Going back to 1 Nephi, chapter 20, verse 10. For behold, I have refined thee. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, yea, for my own sake, will I do this. For I will not suffer my name to be polluted. And I will not give my glory to another. So. Those that the Lord has gathered into the LDS church, uh, he calls my people, and he has invested in them, even though time after time they have rejected him. Still, he has not cast us off, but he gives us opportunity after opportunity. And ultimately, we receive the very thing that we desire most, and he gives sufficient opportunity that we may receive exactly that thing that we desire. Um, and even though we're not ready at first to hearken unto all of God's commandments, yet he's willing to give us as many opportunities as it takes for us to get to the point where we're not only willing, but we are also ready to hearken unto all of God's commandments. Um, now in verse 13, Mine hand hath also laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens. I call unto them, and they stand up together. Now, in Isaiah, the, the right hand of the Lord is the Lord's end-time servant. So, um, the Lord's end-time servant uh, didn't just suddenly uh, arise to his calling. He was known, you know, at the time of the creation of the earth. And he was one of those noble and great ones who played a leadership role in the creation of this earth. Verse 14, all ye assemble yourselves and hear who among them hath declared these things unto them. The Lord hath loved him, yea, and he will fulfill his word, which he hath declared by them. And he will do his pleasure on Babylon. 
and his arm shall come upon the Chaldeans. So, again, the Lord's people are to recognize the Lord's end time servant because he will be the one to declare and to do these things. Verse 15, also saith the Lord, I the Lord, yea, I have spoken, yea, I have called him to declare. I have brought him, and he shall make, and he shall make his way prosperous. Joseph Smith Jr. is a true prophet, in contrast with those who are not. And it is incumbent upon God's people to be able to tell the difference. Now, verse 16. Come ye near unto me, for I have not spoken in secret. From the beginning, from, from the time that it was declared, have I spoken. And the Lord God and his spirit hath sent me. So, you know, we have the Lord's end time servants now speaking. You know, the Lord was speaking about his end time servant. Now we have the Lord's end time servant declaring that the prophecies that he has already declared during his first ministry and are recorded and published in scripture are laid before the saints. And many of those prophecies have now been fulfilled. Verse 17, and thus saith the Lord, thy redeemer, the Holy one of Israel, I have sent him the Lord, thy God, who teacheth thee to profit, who leadeth thee by the way thou shouldst go, hath done it. So, there will be those who will follow, you know, God through the direction of his end-time servant. They will be guided and they will be, be protected. They are the wheat that are to be gathered out. Verse 18. Oh, that thou hadst hearkened unto my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy seed also had been as the sand, the offspring of thy bowels like the gravel. Thereof his name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. So those who do not hearken unto the Lord by the voice of his servant will not receive the covenant blessings that the Lord offers them, but will suffer destruction by the king king of Babylon. These are the terrors. And, you know, those who don't hearken unto the Lord's end time servant, they don't make it into the millennium, but are destroyed. So, if we cross-reference this with DNC 101. Verses 65 and 66. Therefore, I must gather together my people according to the parable of the wheat and the tares, that the wheat may be secured in the garners to possess eternal life and to be crowned with celestial glory when I shall come in the kingdom of my father to reward every man according as his work shall be, while the tares shall be bound in bundles and their bands made strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. This is the separation that begins in the Lord's own house between the wheat and the tares. So while the Lord's end time servants begin the work 
of declaring the doctrine of Christ and the separation of the wheat and the tares. And Joseph Smith is kept as the polished shaft hidden in the quiver of the Lord until the eve of destruction. And he gathers, he finishes the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house or the wheat and leads them on an end time exodus. Uh, before the destruction of the terrors whose bands are made strong um, by the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. Now, back in 1 Nephi, chapter 20, verse 20. Go ye forth of Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans. With a voice of singing declare ye, tell this, utter to the end of the earth, say ye, the Lord hath redeemed his servant, Jacob. So, you know, this is the beginning of the end time exodus by the Lord's servant. And the, the mouth of singing is again the Lord's end time servant declaring the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the path of ascension. And it is received by the Lord's people who are the wheat who are to be gathered out in the garners and secured unto eternal life. Now, in DNC 103, verses 14 through 18, um, the Lord talks about this end-time exodus to be headed up by Joseph. Nevertheless, if they pollute their inheritances, they shall be thrown down, for I will not spare them if they pollute their inheritances. Or in other words, I have given my people a second chance and a second opportunity to hearken unto my voice and this time receive my new and everlasting covenant. However, those who do not will not be spared. Verse 15, behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. For ye are the children of Israel and of the seed of Abraham. And ye must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. And as your fathers were led out at first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. Now, back to First Nephi in verse 21. And they thirsted not. He led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He claved the rock and also the waters gushed out. So the, the metaphor is just as Moses led the children of Israel at first. And the Lord provided for his people according to the heed and diligence which they gave unto him. He provided water for them out of the rock, and he provided manna for them from heaven. And so will the Lord provide for his people through his end-time servant, Joseph Smith, Jr. And Joseph Smith will be endowed with power and authority from on high. Now, this power and this authority has direct reference to the second order of Melchizedek, which stood being sealed upon him. And if we go to DNC 76, verses 56 
starting in verse 56. They are they who are priests and kings, who have received of his fullness and of his glory, and are priests of the Most High after the order of Melchizedek, which was after the order of Enoch, which was after the order of the only begotten Son. Wherefore, as it is written, their gods, little g, even the sons of God, big G, wherefore all things are theirs, whether life or death or things present or things to come. All are theirs and they are Christ and Christ is God's. Now, you know, this order of the priesthood, having this order of the priesthood sealed, you know, upon a man and specifically upon the Lord's end time servant, Joseph Smith, by the time he comes on the scene, you know, is as is outlined in JST Genesis 14, the power to move rivers out of their courses and to move mountains, to defy the armies of nations, to quench the violence of fire, to shut the mouths of lions, to seal and loose on earth and in heaven. Now, he doesn't start out, as Isaiah makes it clear, with this power and authority. But, you know, he, like all of us, has to go through the process of awaking and arising. And he has to submit himself to the new covenant of a broken heart and contract spirit precisely as we do. Um, it's just that he is more diligent than we are. And because he is more diligent, uh, he ascends more quickly and to a higher level. And he literally becomes uh, our exemplar pointing to Christ of what we also must do. Verse 22. And notwithstanding he hath done all this, and greater also, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. So, just because he will exercise great power and authority does not mean that all will receive the word of God from him. Uh, there will be many who remain hardened in their hearts and will prefer going down to destruction rather than to receive deliverance and eternal life. Now, First Nephi chapter 21, starting in verse 1, which is Isaiah 49. And again, hearken. O ye house of Israel, all ye that are broken off and are driven out because of the wickedness of the pastors of my people. Yea, all ye that are broken off and are scattered abroad, who are of my people. O house of Israel, listen, O isles, unto me. O hearken, ye people from afar. The Lord hath called me from the womb, and from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. Now, Again, we have the Lord's end time servant speaking in first person. And in this verse, he's speaking both to the Latter-day Saints to whom he will first go and also to the house of Israel, which is scattered you know, across the four quarters of the earth and to whom eventually he will be sent and to whom eventually he will also gather. Um, but also we have direct reference to the state of those who have legal authority 
over the Lord's people at the time of his return. So if we cross-reference this with DNC 101, and we start in verse 50. And while they were at variance one with another, they became very slothful, and they hearkened not to the commandments of their Lord. And the enemy came by night and broke down the hedge, and the servants of the noblemen arose and were affrighted, and fled, and the enemy destroyed their works and broke down the olive trees. Now, the context of this is the aftermath of the restoration through Joseph Smith, and particularly after his death. Now behold, the nobleman, the Lord of the vineyard, called upon his servants and said unto them, Why? What is the cause of this great evil? Ought ye not to have done even as I commanded you? And after ye had planted the vineyard and built the hedge round about and set the watchman upon the walls thereof, built the tower also and set a watchman upon the tower and watched for my vineyard and not have fallen asleep lest the enemy should come upon you. And behold, the watchman upon the tower would have seen the enemy while he was yet afar off. And then you could have made ready and kept the enemy from breaking down the hedge thereof and saved my vineyard from the hands of the destroyer. Meaning that before uh, Joseph Smith coming on the scene, the Lord's vineyard was not spared from the hand of the destroyer. And that the doctrine of Christ was completely gutted from the organization which had the task and responsibility to safeguard and transmit it. But in verse 55, we have the reversal of fortune. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, and as we read in DNC 103, this servant is specifically named Joseph Smith Jr. in his second ministry or his return. Go and gather together the residue of my servants and take all the strength of my house, which are my warriors, my young men, and they that are of middle aged also among all my servants who are the strength of mine house, save only those whom I have appointed to tarry. So when the end time servant returns, first he assembles the servants who uh, worked with him the first time. And then they start the process of gathering out the strength of the Lord's house. Um, you know, the Lord calls uh, those who hearken first unto the doctrine of Christ, my young men, my warriors, you know, they that are of middle aged. We're back in First Nephi 21. I'm going to read verse one again. But think of it in the context of what we just read in DNC 101. And again, hearken, O ye house of Israel, all ye that are broken off and are driven out because of the wickedness of the pastors of my people. Yea, all ye that are broken off and are scattered abroad. Yea, who are of my people, O house of Israel, listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb, and he hath called Joseph Smith from the womb because he's already had a first ministry. And, you know, we learned in First um, Nephi 20, Isaiah 48, that, you know, Joseph Smith's ministry, his calling, you know, extended back to the creation of the world and has been playing out and unfolding ever since. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name, 
Now, you know, this is direct reference to the doctrine of eternal lives, which is also taught by Alma in Alma chapter 13, verse 3. So in Alma 13, 3, and this is the manner after which they were ordained, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world, according to the foreknowledge of God, on account of their exceeding faith in good works in the first place being left to choose between good or evil. Now, we're not left to choose between good or evil when we're in God's presence. But the setting is established in the beginning of verse 3 as prepared from the foundation of the world, or in other words, before the, this current mortality. Therefore, they having chosen good and exercising exceedingly great faith, are called with the holy calling. Yea, with that holy calling, which was prepared with and according to a preparatory redemption for such. So again, we have the doctrine of eternal lives. The doctrine that, you know, no one can become as Christ is in one lifetime. It takes many. And even for the Lord's end time servant, it takes many. And it's a good thing because we weren't ready during his first ministry to step it up to the level that the Lord needed us to step it up to. And so he's returning and we are given a second chance. So again, the last half of verse one, O house of Israel, listen, O isles unto me and hearken ye people from afar. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath made mention of my name. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. Or in other words, the end time servant doesn't immediately come on the scene. Um, he has much work to do, and he has to complete the work of his own ascension. Uh, even that of being ordained and sealed to the patriarchal or the Melchizedek priesthood before he comes back on the scene. Now, the sword in Isaiah is, uh, is used in two metaphorical ways. One is the implement of destruction of 90% of the earth's population by the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. The king of Assyria, king of Babylon, is the sword, but so too is the Lord's end-time servant. And he's the Lord's sword unto the final destruction of the wicked. And also, if we cross-reference, uh, DNC 6, verses 1 through 3. We have a, another level upon which we can understand the Lord's sword. A great and marvelous work is about to come forth unto the children of men. Now, this great and marvelous work is the final gathering of Israel from the four quarters of the earth during Joseph Smith's second ministry. So we're talking about the exact same time period. Behold, I am God. Give heed unto my word, which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, to dividing asunder of both joints and marrow, 
Therefore, give heed unto my words. So again, a witness that Joseph Smith Jr. will speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And that is the primary way that we are to recognize and acknowledge him. Verse 3, behold, the field is white already to harvest. Again, talking about Joseph Smith's second ministry at the time that he comes on the scene. Therefore, whoso desireth to reap, let him thrust in his sickle with his might, and reap while the day lasts, that he may treasure up for his soul everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. So this work, the work of the end time gathering, although Joseph Smith is the one who opens the new dispensation, and through him it's made possible, you know, it's not his work and his alone. It's the work of all of those who have desires to serve God, all of those who will open their ears to hear and their hearts to understand, who will receive the doctrine of Christ and enter into that new and everlasting covenant. They also are to participate with Joseph and the end time servants in this work of gathering out the Lord's, um, the strength of the Lord's house, commencing with the Latter-day Saints, but eventually covering the entire earth. Back in 1 Nephi 21. Verse 4, then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught, and in vain. Surely my judgment is with the Lord, and my work with my God. Now, why would the Lord's end-time servant feel that his labor was in vain, and that he had spent his work for naught and his strength? Well, let's cross-reference DNC 124 because in his first ministry, the Lord declared to the saints that at last, as they were in Nauvoo, if they would not repent and return, during the time that he had allotted for their repenting and returning, which was during the life of Joseph Smith, which would be symbolized by the Lord allowing them to complete the Nauvoo Temple during Joseph Smith's first ministry, and that he was to have been the man to dedicate that temple. But behold, at the end of this appointment, your baptisms for your dead shall not be acceptable unto me. And if you do not these things at the end of the appointment, you shall be rejected as a church with your dead, saith the Lord your God. Well, no wonder the conclusion of Joseph Smith's first ministry. He would have the sentiment declared as he declares in verse 4 of Isaiah 49, 1 Nephi chapter 21, verse 4. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught. And in vain, surely my judgment is with God and my work with my God. Verse 5. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb that I should be his servant to bring Jacob again to him. Now, the word again is used because he attempted to bring Jacob uh, to the Lord during his first ministry. But that would ultimately prove unsuccessful. However, because he would return in a second ministry, he would again enter into that labor. But the second time, 
he would be successful in gathering out Israel from the four quarters of the earth. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb that I should be his servant to bring Jacob again to meet him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious. In the eyes of the Lord and my God shall be my strength. So although the completion of gathering of Israel was not uh, completed in his first ministry, he would return to finish the work that he started because he only was able to lay the foundation of the restoration and establishment of Zion. It got short because we rejected our God by rejecting the very covenant through which we might become his sons and his daughters. But he didn't cast us off forever. We're back and he is back and we've got a second chance. Verse six, and he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Or in other words, not only will I call you to gather out the strength of my house, which are among the Latter-day Saints with ears to hear and hearts to understand, but after you have gathered out the strength of the Lord's house among the Latter-day Saints, your mission will continue to gather out all the Lord's people wherever they may be scattered throughout the entire earth. Verse 7. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nations abhorreth, to servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful. Or in other words, when Joseph will return, the majority of the Latter-day Saints were rejected. Nevertheless, those who have chosen the path of ascension and are ascending by entering into that new covenant, they will recognize and will receive him, and he will be endowed with power and authority from on high. Verse 8, and thus the Lord, thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, O isles of the sea, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee, and give thee my servant for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. So through his end time servant, the Lord will gather his people again and reestablish his covenant with them, which he has extended to them many times, but by and large, as a people they have rejected. And he's giving us one last chance, one last opportunity. And there will be those who will accept it, even though the majority will reject it. Verse 9. That thou mayest say to the prisoners, go forth to them that sit in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in, in the ways. Their pastures shall be in all the high places. So those led out on the End time exodus 
will receive the Lord's covenant blessings, including protection and sustenance, which will be completely taken from the earth by this time. Verse 10, they shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor the sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them. Even by the springs of water shall he guide them. So we have more Moses imagery that uh, Joseph Smith will act as the Lord's end time servant in leading out an exodus, uh, just as did Moses. And he will be the instrument in the Lord's hands, providing for the needs of the Lord's people, um, being defined as those who are willing to enter into covenant with him and live by the voice of the Spirit. Verse 11, and I will make all my mountains away and my highways shall be exalted. So the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ will be taken to all Israel in the four quarters of the earth and the way prepared for their deliverance from bondage. Because by this time, the entire earth has come into an extreme bondage. And verse 12, and then, O house of Israel, behold, these shall come from far, and lo, these from the north, and from the west, and from the land of Sinim. So, the Lord's people who do repent and return will be delivered from bondage and affliction, which they brought upon themselves because they would not altogether hearken unto the voice of the Lord. But they have another opportunity. Verse 13. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth. For the feet of those who are in the east shall be established and break forth into singing. O mountains, for they shall be smitten no more. For the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. So even those who are numbered among the elect. Um, will go into a period of bondage. And this will be a test for them. Will even the elect remain faithful when the Lord allows them to go into a period of bondage? For can a woman forget her second child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not forget thee, O house of Israel? Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Now let's cross-reference this with 3 Nephi chapter 19. So Christ is speaking to a specific group of people that he has engraven upon the palms of his hands. And in 3 Nephi 19, verse 28, Father, I thank thee that thou hast purified those whom I have chosen because of their faith. And I pray for them and also for them who shall believe on their words, that they may be purified in me through faith on their words, even as they, purif even as they are purified in me. Father, I pray not for the world 
but for those whom thou hast given me out of the world. For it is those that the Father has given Christ out of the world that Christ has reference to that I have engraven them upon the palms of my hands. Because of their faith that they may be purified in me, that I may be in them as thou, Father, art in me, that we may be one, that I may be glorified in them. So, those who the Father has given Christ out of the world are those who have entered into covenant with him, have offered up their broken heart and contract spirits, have received the terms of this covenant by revelation, and have been obedient to all the words which the Lord their God would give unto them, and thus have become his sons and daughters through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. That is what is meant by those whom the, who the Father has given Christ out of the world. Those who become his sons and daughters through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they are they whom Christ has engraven upon the palms of his hands. And they, the Lord cannot forget. And as unimaginable as it would be that a mother could forget her sucking child, yet it is not without precedent. But what is without precedent is the Lord forgetting his sons and his daughters. He will not. Verse 16. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Thy children shall make haste against thy destroyers, and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. Now, the Lord restores his covenant people to their covenant land by making his people equal to the task. So, you know, there are a lot of people who think that what it means that the Lord will fight our battles is that we get to sit back in the comfortable couches and watch as, um, you know, an energy field goes forth and accomplishes all of the hard, difficult work. But that's not the way it works. The Lord requires the hard, difficult work at our hands. However, he makes us equal to the task. And were he not to make us equal to the task, we would not be able to survive or accomplish you know, that work. Now, let's cross-reference DNC 101, 55 and 58. You know, which is an exposition about exactly how thy children shall make haste against thy destroyers, and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. So, again in verse 55 in DNC 101. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, Joseph Smith Jr., Go and gather together the residue of my servants, and take all the strength of my house, which are my warriors, my young men, they that are of middle age, also among all my servants, who are the strength of mine house, save only those whom I have appointed to tarry. And go ye straightway into the land of my vineyard, and redeem my vineyard, for it is mine, I have bought it with money. Therefore, get ye straightway unto my land, break down the walls of mine enemies, throw down their tower, and scatter their watchmen. And inasmuch as they gather together against you, avenge me of mine enemies, that by and by I may come with the residue of my house and possess the land. 
So the Lord makes his covenant people equal to the task of overthrowing the power of darkness and the power and authority of those who have become the enemies of the Lord. Verse 18, 1 Nephi 21. Lift up thine eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together, and they shall come to thee. And as I live, saith the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all, as with an ornament, and bind them on even as a bride. Or in other words, those who keep covenant with God um, not only enter into but continue in the path of ascension. And they enter into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory. And they're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, or they have their calling and election made sure. And they enter into the church of the firstborn. And this is what is being talked about in DNC 76. Verse 53. And who overcome by faith and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true. They are they who are the church of the firstborn. This is also what is being referred to in 2 Nephi chapter 32. Verse 6. Behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and there will be no more doctrine given until after he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh. And when he shall manifest himself unto you in the flesh, the things which he shall say unto you shall ye observe to do. Now, this is talking about um, ascending into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory in this life and meeting him and being taught by him and you know, having our calling and election made sure by him. So verse 18 again. In 1 Nephi 21, lift up thine eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together, and they shall come to thee. And as I live, the Lord thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all, as with an ornament, or this ornament, if we you know look at the the uh you know, original text from which uh, Isaiah was recorded. You know, it's talking about precious stones or diamonds, uh, referring to the fact that uh, those who in times past uh, had been, um, you know, common stones had ascended to, you know, semi-precious stones and now have finally ascended to become um, precious stones. This is the path of ascension. And there are a few who choose the path of ascension and by entering into the new covenant, receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and enter into the rest of the Lord. Now, let's cross-reference this with DNC 77. Verse 11. And verse 11 of DNC 77 is talking about the exact same thing that verse 18 in 1 Nephi 21 is referring to. 
What are we to understand by the sealing of the 144,000 out of all the tribes of Israel, 12,000 out of every tribe? Now, it's not the sealing of the 144,000 that's being talked about in verse 18, but their work, which is given the answer in the second part of verse 11. We are to understand that those who are sealed are high priests, ordained unto the holy order of God to administer the everlasting gospel. For they are they who are ordained out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people by the angels to whom is given power over the nations of the earth to bring as many as will come to the church of the firstborn. This is what is being talked about uh, in verse 18. Um, and as I live, saith the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all as with an ornament and bind them on even as a bride. Verse 19. For thy waste and thy desolate places and the land of thy destruction shall even now be too narrow by reason of the inhabitants. And they that swallowed thee up shall be far away. So. We have reference to the enemies of the Lord being destroyed. And, you know, the, the period of deprivation, which the Lord's people had to endure being reversed. The children whom thou shalt have, after thou hast lost the first, shall again in thine ears say, The place is too straight for me. Give place to me that I may dwell. Or, in other words, you know, those who are the covenant people of God, who had opportunity, um, perhaps during the days of Joseph Smith, but did not sufficiently awaken, arise, hearken unto all the commandments that the Lord their God would give them, um, but had repented will return and will again have chance to enter into covenant with God and resume the path of ascension that they were not quite ready uh, for and that the opportunity would be given to them. Then shalt thou say unto in thine heart, who hath begotten me these, seeing I have lost my children and am desolate, a captive, removing to and fro, and who have brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. These, where have they been? Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles and set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. So, the strength of the Lord's house, meaning Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and all, actually, the, the restoration movements who are willing to enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit uh, will become the Lord's end-time servants into taking the fullness of the gospel to the four courts of the earth, to gathering out Israel and declaring unto them the doctrine of Christ by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Verse 23, and kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their face 
towards the earth and lick up the dust of thy feet. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord and they shall not be ashamed that wait upon me. Or in other words, just as those who go on the end time exodus, who have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, are being ministered to by uh, those among the 144,000 to help them ascend the next level to the church of the firstborn level. They, in turn, are ministering to those who have not yet uh, entered into or joined the church of Christ. And as they minister, they themselves will be ministered to. And that among those who will minister are, you know, those who have, you know, ascended to now the same level that Joseph ascended to at the start of the end time exodus, but that they will also ascend to the level of having the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood sealed upon them, and for women, the matriarchal order sealed upon them, and will have ascended to the level of, you know, a translated being, not meaning that they will necessarily be translated at that time, because for most part, that won't happen until the morning of the first resurrection, but simply that they, they will have ascended to that level. The opportunity will be afforded to them by the experiences on the end time exodus, and that it is precisely the experiences of ministering and gathering and preaching the gospel on the end time exodus that will facilitate that ascension. So everybody uh, is ascending because they are ministering to, you know, those uh, and bringing them to into the church of Christ or into the church of the firstborn. Verse 24. For shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captives delivered? But thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. So, so great shall be this worldwide bondage, that it will be inconceivable to the natural mind that deliverance could be accomplished. However, the Lord will show that his power is greater than that of the adversary. And he will deliver his people from their captivity, wherever they may be. As long as they qualify for deliverance from destruction and for deliverance from captivity. Just like the people of uh, Kinoa, which were split into two groups, the people of Alma and the people of King, King Limhi. The people of Alma were gathered out, and they had to go into a period of bondage. But the Lord made their burdens easy and light. And as soon as they finished the repenting and returning unto him and ascended to the level of elect, they were delivered. And the other category of people, the people of King Limhi, who would not follow Alma, you know, three quarters of them did not qualify for deliverance from destruction. So through a series of, I believe, four wars with the Lamanites, they were destroyed. But the quarter who survived, who did qualify for deliverance from destruction, because the extremity of the hardship that they bore, it facilitated their rapid repentance and ascension. And as soon as they reached the level of elect, the Lord sent Ammon to them 
and provided the way for their deliverance. So will it be for both Latter-day Saints and all of God's people, wherever they may be in the four corners of the earth. But thus saith the Lord, verse 25, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contend with thee and I will save thy children and I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh. They shall be drunken with their own blood as with sweet wine. And all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. So, you know, on this end time exodus, as Zion is established and as New Jerusalem is established and as the work of gathering continues up through um, when Christ will come in his glory. Um, the, the wicked who have gained power and are wreaking destruction will be aware at some level that the Lord's people are gathering and being delivered and will seek to destroy them, but they will not be successful. And those efforts with which they seek to destroy will be poured out upon their own heads. And at the last, they will also be destroyed by you know, their own plans and own designs for the Lord's people. Now let's let's cross-reference DNC 97. Again, another most of the Doctrine and Covenants actually has reference not to Joseph Smith's first ministry, but his second, including you know these verses here. Uh, DNC 97. Start in 18. Now behold, if Zion doeth these things, she shall prosper and spread herself and become very glorious, very great, and very terrible. We're talking about establishment of New Jerusalem. And the nations of the earth shall honor, honor her and shall say, surely Zion is the city of our God. And surely Zion cannot fall, neither be moved out of her place. For God is there and the hands of the Lord is there. And he hath sworn by the power of his might to be her salvation and her high tower. Therefore, verily, thus saith the Lord, let Zion rejoice. For this is Zion the pure in heart. Therefore, let Zion rejoice while all wicked shall mourn. For behold, and lo, vengeance cometh speedily upon the ungodly as the whirlwind, who shall escape it? The Lord's scourge shall pass over by night and by day, and the report thereof shall vex all people. Yea, it shall not be stayed until the Lord come. For the indignation of the Lord is kindled against their abominations and their wicked works. Nevertheless, Zion shall escape if she observe to do all things whatsoever I have commanded her. But if she observe not to do whatsoever I have commanded her, I will visit her according to all her works with sore affliction, with pestilence, with plague, with sword, with vengeance, and with devouring fire. And this is exactly what happens to all of those who will not hearken unto the Lord's end time servants. And finally, Joseph Smith Jr. himself, when he completes the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house, all of those who are not accounted among that number, verse 26, but if she observe not to do whatsoever I have commanded her, I will visit her according to all her works with sore afflictions, with pestilence, with plague, with sword, with vengeance, 
and with devouring fire. Nevertheless, let it be read this once to her ears, that I, the Lord, have accepted of her offering. And if she sin no more, none of these things shall come upon her. And I will bless her with blessings and multiply a multiplicity of blessings upon her and upon her generations forever and ever, saith the Lord your God. Amen.